Well, again, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Glad to have you with us. We are in uh, Isaiah, and we are kind of doing uh, brief summaries, if you will, of some of the prophets in the Old Testament uh, as we work our way back into uh, the New Testament, where we go verse by verse through everything. Um, we've kind of been stuck right in this middle part of Isaiah, uh, doing this portion these few chapters verse by verse because it's, it's got some of the most powerful stuff in the Old Testament. In fact, uh, I've been showing you that how uh, the New Testament quotes a lot of Isaiah. A lot of the guys in the New Testament would write and they would quote and literally say, Isaiah said this, Jesus quoted Isaiah, everybody was quoting Isaiah, it's kind of a big deal. And it's pretty much in this section here. And uh, we are in chapter 57, we left off at verse 16. I've been showing you how the prophet would prophesy, you know, judgment and butt kicking because these guys wouldn't do the right thing. And then in the midst of painting this horrible picture of just terrible judgment, he would also start prophesying of comfort and restoration. He was kind of going back and forth on this. We left it off at a part of uh, comfort and restoration. Verse 16 is where we left off. God says, I will not accuse forever, nor will I always be angry. For then the spirit of man would grow faint before me and the breath of man that I've created. I was enraged by his sinful greed. I punished him and I hid my face in anger, yet he kept on in his willful ways. I've seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore comfort to him, creating praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. I mean, it's, it's, it's talk because there's going to be mourning because of this big judgment that's coming, and, this, and, and uh, a lot of people are going to get killed and People are going to cry and mourn and what he's saying, prophesying at the same time that I will create praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. He says, I'm going to turn this thing around. Of course, he also tries to reason with them. Look, if you would stop doing this stuff, you wouldn't have to get this judgment, but they wouldn't listen. Um, Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. You ever hear that phrase, no rest for the wicked? No peace for the wicked? It comes right out of here. Isaiah. So it's talking about those who will do the right thing are surrounded by peace, but the wicked, I love this picture, verse 20 again, the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire in mud. Boy, if that doesn't describe... Most people without God in their lives, man, it's just all, it's just a, just a big sewage tank, man. They're trying, desperately trying to find peace and trying to do stuff on their own, but they fail. There is no peace, God says, for the wicked. Then uh, chapter 58. Now, this is also a very famous chapter in the Old Testament, again, here in Isaiah. He says, shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Now stop and think about this. He's declaring judgment to these people. But it says day after day they seek me out. They would come before God. They seemed eager to want to know about God and know about God's ways. They asked me for just decisions. What does that mean? Prayer. They pray. They would ask God for prayer in in their lives. And they seemed eager for God to come near them. But God was not answering their prayers. 
And the very next verse, it's the people talking back to God and saying, well, why have we fasted, they say, and you haven't seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? So these people would come and they were fairly intense in their devotion to God, seemingly. From the outside, they would still, despite all their sins, still maintained a certain decorum of religiosity. And while we all know people who've done that, and maybe we've been guilty of this in the past where we were really steeped in sin, doing wrong things ourselves, but we came to church and kept up the phony plastic thing, which you should not be doing, by the way, but many of us have been there, but... uh, Um, uh, these people were very, very intense. I mean, they were fasting and praying. Now, that's very strong devotion. Now, fasting, for those of you who are not aware of what it means, is when you do not eat. And you just shut it down. And you can skip a meal, two meals, three meals. Uh, Typically, when they would fast, it would be for at least a day or you would go without anything to eat. Now, when you are fasting and praying, that's a pretty intense expression of faith. You know, ask yourself, when was the last time you did that? Most people do not do it. You know, we don't like to fast because we like to eat mass quantities. <laughs> you know. So these guys, they were religious enough that they'd go all day without, without eating. And they did this fairly regularly as they prayed. But yeah, they were confused. Well, why isn't God listening? We're fasting, we're praying. And, and, and let me do encourage you about this. You, you want to really supercharge your prayers you want you know uh, prayers on steroids if you will I mean prayer is pretty powerful in and of itself you want to take it to the next level shut your pie hole quit eating stuff go all day long without eating and praying when you feel hungry cry out to God and I'm telling you it'll jack up your prayers it'll take it to the next level fasting is a very powerful thing and historically they had known this, but now they're confused. They're fasting, they're praying, nothing's happening. Why isn't anything happening? Haven't you noticed? And then God gets back on their face. He says, yeah, you're fasting. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You still exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and smacking each other upside the head. Fists, wicked fists, fighting. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. In other words, just doing the outside expression of, 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 of faith, but you're not really living this at home, this isn't going to work for you, God says. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed? You know, it's not like God gets to throw a lot of people just bowing their heads in prayer like you're falling over or something. And, and for, for lying in sackcloth and ashes, they would get very dramatic. You know, they'd lie down on the ground and cover themselves with dirt and on sackcloth and they're trying to suffer. And He says, is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Well, the answer, the short answer would have been, yeah. Yeah, that's what we call a fast. That's the whole purpose. Humbling yourself, getting down, being miserable, hungry. Nobody likes doing that. Praying, calling out to God. But God was not moved by their prayers Despite the devotion, the intensity of their devotion, because they weren't really living it. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen, God says, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? 
Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Everybody say flesh and blood. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because some of us like to turn away from our flesh and blood because we got some psycho crazy flesh and blood out there. Come on. Family. Family. If it weren't for families. You know, people come and they want to serve Jesus, but they hate their mother-in-law, and they hate their father-in-law, and that stupid uncle, and that cousin just, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, Missy. You know, I, one of the things that we push very heavy here at Celebration Church, shh, 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 hey, 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 front row, quiet. I got a big ego, it's all about me, be quiet. <laughs> It's true, actually. Um, One of the things that we push real heavily here is trying to be real. Okay? Be real. I, I just hate plastic Christianity. I just, I just, I, I can't stomach it. You know, sometimes, you know, that's why you're always hearing me talk about bringing it into your home, you know, in your marriage and stuff like that. People say, well, just because you're a marriage speaker. No, I'm a marriage speaker because I used to always do that. You're hearing me? I mean, I really believe this stuff. If you can't live this stuff at home, you are full of baloney. It's easy to talk about living this stuff. Oh, I love Jesus. I love. I hate my husband, but I love Jesus. You're kidding yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Reminds me of a lady when I first came to church. She's not here anymore, so I can talk about it, but I won't mention her name. But... <clears throat> If she were here, she'd get really mad. But all involved in ministries around the church, and just one of these big worshipers, just love to be on the front row, just praising God. Came up to her one day, "How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Pastor. Praise God, Hallelujah. I'm getting a divorce, but other than that, I'm doing really good." I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. What, What do you mean you're getting a divorce? Oh, it's no big deal," she said. I said, "Seriously, you need to come talk to me." So she comes talks to me. I said, what's the deal? So I hate him. You hate him? Yeah, I wish he'd just die and go to hell. I said, why? He said I was fat. I'm thinking, actually, you are a little chunky, but I didn't say anything. I didn't say nothing. I just... I said, excuse me. You're going to divorce him because he said you were fat? You hate him? You wish he'd die and go to hell? And yet you're involved in ministry here in the church? Well, yeah. I said, not anymore, you're not. I sat her butt down. She never, to this day, doesn't get it. She just thinks I was as mean as a rattlesnake. Couldn't understand. Well, I was involved in ministry. I was serving the Lord here. You know, you're full of baloney here is what you are. Go around saying you love Jesus and you want your husband to die and go to hell because you're a little too chunky for crying out loud. We just will not tolerate that kind of stuff. There is a children's church, you know, down there. Think about it. Anyway, moving on. But I'll tell you, this whole thing of just, you know, plastic Christianity, I just, I hate this stuff. 
you know, this whole thing of, you know, we can act in a certain way. And as long as we're spiritual and we know this Bible verse, we know that Bible verse, we know the right worship songs, we know how to do the right things, you know, then it's all okay. And then we don't live it. I'm sorry. You know, it reminds me of a church. I was, I was, uh, there was a church down the road from us in another city that, that where I was at. And, uh, there was this guy who was an elder in the church. He was well known as an elder in the, in the, in the, uh, in that church and in the city and stuff like that. Highly committed to the church. The guy was there constantly. Constantly. He even had a cot there so he could spend the night. So he could just be there and volunteer and just everything. And of course, everybody just loved and they pressed, you know, just stroked his ego. Brother, you're so wonderful, and the pastor just loved it. Oh, every but the dude's a married man. He's got no business sleeping at church, serving Jesus while he ignores his family. Not cool, unacceptable. Well, well, he, he really, he really loves Jesus. I don't care what he says. His marriage was a sham. His kids hated him. Everybody knew it. They were hellions. I remember challenging the pastor. I got in his face about it. I said, dude, you got no business having a guy like that in leadership. He got just mad as a rattlesnake. You can't say that. Yeah, I can because the Bible says that. If a man can't rule his house well, he has no business leading in the church of God. You know, now we all like people getting involved in church. But man, you get involved so much in church that you're ignoring your family. Stop it. I like it that you're here, but you don't need to be here every time the door is open and the lights are on. You got to love your family. We got to do this stuff right. We got to live this stuff right. If we can't live this out the right way, we're not living it. You know, Jesus talked about this. Let me get, let me get off track here. Here's a shock. <laughs> Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Matthew 23rd chapter, verse 23. Actually, this whole chapter, actually, we could take time. We won't read the whole thing, but the whole thing, Jesus is just railing on the religious leaders of the day. Just hammering them. I mean, he was mean to them, man. Look at verse 15. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as you are. Whoa. <laughs> Not the way to win friends and influence people. And Jesus was pretty intense at times. Look at verse 23. That's where I wanted to go. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. I mean, these guys, you know, they were into tithing. We should be into tithing. It's a biblical concept. You should give back 10% of what God blesses in your life. Most people have a hard time with that. But these guys were very religious about it. And they were very intense about it. And they would literally take their spices and sit there and cut off oh, the 10% of that. You know, they were being so legalistic about it. You know, you get into that part of your tithing, you're getting, out, you're getting crazy here. But they were just really intense about it. They're real legalistic. These guys, you know, on the Sabbath, you know, they, they, they made it something that was oppressive instead of something that was a day of rest. You know, they, they told people they could only walk so many steps in a day before they sinned. And they would have to count how many steps they, they would make during the day. You know, it all became about legalism and craziness. He says, you, you, you get to the point where you, 
you, you work out a 10% of, of your spices. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without for, neglecting the former. It says good, in other words, some people say Jesus said you didn't have to tithe. No, he says you should do it without neglecting the former. But you blind guides, you strain at a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Good grief, if that isn't a lot of Christianity some of us grew up with. Just having a cow about things that are just not important. Just having a cow about things that don't matter. And getting all crazy about it. But then ignoring the stuff that does matter. So, if you want to get crazy about stuff that doesn't matter, go for it, I don't care. But don't neglect the stuff that does matter. That's the stuff that drives me crazy. You know, and evangelical Christians, you know, we're just famous for just getting all, you know, lather about things that don't matter. <laughs> and ignoring things that do matter. Reminds me of a pastor, I knew this pastor, he, you know, when those Harry Potter, Harry Potter books first came out, you know, he just had a fit. Just, you know, the Harry Potter movie, just wow. Witchcraft, witchcraft, just, just going crazy and foaming at the mouth. I know why I let my kids go see that Harry Potter devil. All right. Personally, I think he needed to check his medication, but you know, okay. First of all, his kids were like 13, 14. But then he let his 14-year-old daughter see the movie Titanic like 12 times. All right, now, now think it through, people. Have you seen the movie Titanic? I was like, okay. What are the lessons for a young teenage girl in the movie of Titanic? Uh, number one, if you know a boy and you really like him, and you've known him for a long time, like 24 hours, you can let him see your boobies. And he can draw a nice picture of your boobies. Booby, booby drawing, we call it. Oh, it's perfectly reasonable. And if you really know him for a long time, like another 24 hours, you can have sex with him in the backseat of a car. Woo! Seriously? That? Eh, no big deal. Eh, no big deal. But somebody flying on around on a broomstick. Whoa, we can't have that! Now think how stupid this is. The chance of your next door neighbor's son flying around on a broomstick, pretty low. How many would agree? It's a pretty low chance. I mean, it's not, not a big risk here. The chance of your next door neighbor's son wanting to play with your daughter's boobies, pretty big chance on that one. Wouldn't you think? How many think there's a good chance of that? I dare say there's a lot bigger chance of the boobies than the broom. <laughs> but oh, we just getting a lather about things that don't matter. <laughs> and things that do matter, we just ignore. It's like, okay, look, you don't want them to see the brooms. Like, I don't care. But seriously, at least let's be consistent about some of this stuff. I remember Christians, and I'm already making some of you mad. I'll just get in line. <laughs> Good grief. 
I remember Chris was just having a fit about the Harry Potter thing, you know. Just oh, just the devil, just the devil, just the devil. And at the same time that movie's out, The Lord of the Rings came out. Now, did it, how many of y'all seen Harry Potter movie? All right. How many of y'all seen the Lord of the Rings movie? Is not the Lord of the Rings movie ten times, easily ten times more dark and evil and full of incantations and boogeymen and all kinds of horrible things? Did anyone ever hear one Christian so much as raise their voice concerning about the Lord of the Rings? Not a one. I didn't hear one, one national leader say a thing about it. Harry Potter, oh! But see, the lady who wrote Harry Potter was not a born-again Christian. The guy who wrote Lord of the Rings was a born-again Christian. But see, then the world looks at us and thinks, how stupid are you people? At least be consistent. If you don't want boogie-boogie, you know, then be against all of it. We're so inconsistent all over the place and not making any sense. You know, it's like, you know, the whole, you know, sexual immorality in the country today. Apparently, apparently most evangelical Christians don't have a problem with people fornicating their little brains out. They don't have any problem with people committing adultery in the church. But if there's homosexual sin, oh, oh, oh! The world looks at us like we are insane! You say, Pastor, is it okay? No, I don't think it's okay. I think it's pretty clear. The Bible's very clear. Homosexuality is wrong. But it's also very clear that all of it is wrong. All of it is wrong. To ignore the one and but have a cow about the other makes us look stupid. And what is this? Just having, just getting in a lather about one thing and ignoring other things. And we're so inconsistent and just honestly check your blood pressure. Halloween's coming. There's a biggie. Look, I know some of you don't agree with me. I know this. I'm looking at some of you who don't agree. That's okay. We don't have to agree about everything. But seriously, just relax a little bit. You know, Halloween. I don't let my kids celebrate Halloween. That's just the devil. Really? You know, because I take my kids trick-or-treating all the time. And I never one time worshipped a devil. So why do you do that, Pastor? Because they're giving away free candy, you idiot. <laughs> so I want to do that. Okay, then fine. Just relax, but think it through a little bit. Honestly, what are you saying to your kids? Let's see if I figure this out, Mom. All the world is dressing up and getting free candy. But we can't. Because we love Jesus. We just love Jesus. So we're not going to do any of that stuff. You want your kids growing up thinking like this? Seriously? How about... And, and, then, and, then, and then your neighborhoods. Everybody goes to everybody's house to get candy except for those Christian people. Why? Because they love Jesus. You know, their doors locked. And you know. Man, just get some M&Ms and be nice. Just be nice. Don't be a big old jerk about stuff. Just, you know, here, have some M&M's. God bless y'all. Don't kill nothing. (laughs) Connect with your neighborhood. Be nice. 
So that's worshiping the that's not worshiping the devil. Good grief. All these people always looking for, you know, where's the devil? Where's the devil? Do you really think the devil just has one day? <laughs> Do you you know, seriously, if if it was just the one day I could buy into that. Let's get past the one day and then we're we're clear and free. Then I say, yeah, let's all hide in the church basement. Just hunker down, wait till Halloween goes over. Rest of the day, praise God, there's no temptation. There's no irritation. There's no constipation. Just everything is life is good. Hallelujah. That'd be great if that was the case. But it's not the case. Goodness gracious. Look at Romans, the 14th chapter. How many people I can insult this, this day? Romans 14. 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Everybody say disputable matters. Some of these are just disputable matters. I know I'm ticking off some of you because I don't mind some of these things. But they're disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything. Another man's faith is weak, only eats vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Besides, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Which Paul is basically saying, you know, these people that you don't agree with, like your pastor, you know, mind your own business. God can make him stand. Even though he doesn't agree with everything the same way you do. About disputable matters. Now we're not talking morality here. We're not just, you know, committing adultery is not a disputable matter. Are you hearing me? That's why I hammer this kind of stuff. Sexual sin is not a disputable. That's very, very clear. But whether or not you go dress up and go get candy is a disputable matter as far as I'm concerned. Who cares? Well, I don't want it. Okay, then fine. You don't want your kids to see those movies? Fine. At least just be consistent and make sure you go out of your way to really explain to them. So that, you know, you don't want to be too hard. You know, there's two extremes. There's Because the, I've been around long enough, man. You know, since I was 16 years old, I've been serving Jesus. And I've seen kids grow up all during that time, all during that time. And you see, there are the, the ones who just, as soon as they're old enough, they run away from God in their life. And then you got those who serve God their whole time. They don't have any problem with it. And of those kids who, and I'm talking about raised in the church, of those who run away from God, they fall into two categories all the time. The parents who either allow everything or allow absolutely nothing. They're two extremes. These are the ones the kids go up as soon as they get old enough, they run away from God as fast as they can. You know, balance it out a little bit. Don't be too extreme. Don't be so, you know, letting your kids do whatever you, they want. Don't be stupid. Got lots of people like that. Seriously. Even some pastors. I was talking to this one pastor. I said, uh, they were at this conference and I said, so is your family with you? Well, my wife is, but our daughter's not. She's back home with her boyfriend. Really? Yeah, she's 16. Shows me her picture. She's drop dead gorgeous. So she says, you home with her boyfriend? Yeah, they just closed the door all Saturday afternoon. They're in there doing their homework. I mean, he was serious. He was seriously stupid, but he was serious. Seri- you really think them closing the door all day long 
They're doing their homework. And now you leave the house leaving them there all day. I mean, that's just dumb. Just allowing everything. And then those kids wind up in hell. Then you've got the other ones. The kids can't do anything. You're jumping on them for every little thing. Just relax a little bit. Because those are the ones also that run away. How about we teach our kids how to live in this world, but not of the world? Verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who doubts is condemned if he eats because he's eating not from faith. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. He's basically talking about, look, people have different lines. And he says here, you know, one man considers, well, verse 5. One man considers one day more sacred than the other. The Sabbath is a sacred. You got people who are real Sabbath freaks. You know, there's, it's got to be a holy day. It says, you got to really treat it especially holy. Well, another man considers every day the same, which is what I do. Okay? Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does it to the Lord. He who eats meat does it, eats Uh, To the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who doesn't, he who abstains, does so to the Lord and gives thanks. Look, we all have different lines that we draw. And it's okay. You know? And my lines might seem a little confusing to people, you know? Uh, uh, (laughs) Because, I'll be honest, my little tiny grandchildren, I wouldn't want them watching any kind of creepy Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or anything else, you know? By the time they're young teenagers, I mean, it's like, I don't know. You know, 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 there's not... You don't have to be totally freaked out by everything. But that's the lines I draw. You might draw different lines and stuff like that. What Paul's saying is that, look, we all have to do with our lines. Let's walk this thing out. Let's, let's do this in faith. Let's not condemn one another. Of course, I've been mean because I'm picking on people who don't agree with me. and You don't get to respond. <laughs> but uh, um, but I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, these are my lines. You might not agree. And that's okay. We don't all have to agree. Everybody's got to draw their own lines. All I'm saying is when you're drawing the lines, make sure you're being consistent, number one. Okay, don't get all religious about some things that don't really matter and then ignore the things that do. If you're going to watch these, then make sure you watch all of it. But make sure you're not too harsh on your kids because you don't want to drive them away from God. Okay? So, uh, anyway. That's all I got to say about that. No, it's not. Look at 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Verse, verse 25. Now, now, I'm just throwing this out again just to deal with... There, there's a group of people. They're, they're like Pharisees, you know, and they're just always looking for something to get crazy about. And again, what irritates me about often and a lot of these people is they look at their lives and their lives are a mess. But yet they're really nitpicky about this stuff you know at least be consistent if you want to come to me and say pastor I just heard it. you better be consistent the rest of your life your wife better love you you better love her your kids better be loving God you better live this stuff at home you live this stuff at home alright I'll cut you some slack I'll listen to you probably still won't agree with you but at least I'll listen to you but just ease up on this you know, trying to get real nitpicky about things and looking for demons under rocks and everything else and, and these are the people I call them uh, uh, the origins people. They're always looking at the origins of things to determine whether or not they're evil or good. 
In other words, Halloween to them is not just a fun time for kids to dress up and run around and, and eat candy. You know, there's origins. Where did it begin? Way back, you know, you know, uh, in the Middle Ages, there were druids that were dancing naked around sticks and stones and worshiping devils, and that's where Halloween came from. Oh, okay. But I, I don't think we do that in my neighborhood. But uh, anyway, um, but it's all about the origins. You know, it's the origins. You know, and, it's, and uh, you know, there's people who won't do Christmas. You know, these people, you know, intense, real intense Christians, you know, because of the origins, you know, those trees, those Christmas trees, they have heathen origins. Really? I just, it's just thing, something to put toys under, you know, it's, it's not a heathen origin to me. People just get crazy about it, you know, Easter, you can't have Easter! Because those eggs, that's an origin, you know, that comes from, that comes from sexual, sexual, sexual stuff is what that's, those eggs are like, it's a sexual thing. Really? We just hide them and go find them. <laughs> you know, but you know, a lot of these things, you, go, you can. You can find all these weird origins and stuff. But seriously, relax a little bit. You know, your life isn't hard enough. You've got to go chasing origins of stuff. <laughs> Some people have too much free time on their hands. I don't know what the deal is. Running around getting crazy about things they had no business getting crazy about. I don't know this stuff. Yeah, there's Easter eggs. That's a sexual thing, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting off the track here, but I, I, there is this there is this city in Japan. Have you seen this? Where, the, where they the young kids are gone now. The, 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 the <laughs> this is an adult service. Children's service is down there. But it's 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 a cert, it's they celebrate penis day is what they do. Has anybody seen this? Have you seen pictures of this? They, they have big. You haven't seen this? Oh, you, some of you guys have seen this. It's hilarious. They get and all the ladies of the city get in a parade and they carry statues of a uh, you know what? And they have big floats of gigantic you know what's and it's. It's, it's a little creepy, quite frankly. But they're all smiling and they're all, this is their, this is their day. This is, they, they celebrate this, this day, you know? And it's like, ooh, very creepy. I'll have to find that for you. You can look it up. But it was, it's very bizarre. <laughs> but it's not weird and icky to them. This is part of their culture and this is their, what, what, what do they call it there? I can't, I can't think of the name. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about this. Oh, because the Easter eggs. You know, it's got some evil thing. It's tied to Wiener Day somewhere. You know, it's all horrible. It's just, it's all, just relax a little bit. Oh, what is this passion to find out where the, where the evil is? Where the evil is? I could go on. I'll make you some more of you mad, but I won't have a church on Sunday if I keep it up. <laughs> Look, it's okay to disagree with me. I'm just challenging you. Don't freak out. 
Okay, you listen to me and say, well, Pastor, I heard what you said. I still disagree. That's okay. It's fine. That's your line. But don't condemn others and don't get all crazy. Don't run around trying to enlighten other believers about stuff they shouldn't be doing because of it's got evil origins. I just know it's got evil. Now, here's a problem Paul's writing about. The Bible was very clear. You're not supposed to eat food offered to idols. Right? You guys know this, right? Some of you guys more advanced in your Bible. If you take an an animal and you sacrifice it to some false god, you're not supposed to eat it. It's one of the few things that from the Old Testament law that we're supposed to still obey as Christians. There's only three things. Anybody know what they are? It's, it's question and answer time. You know what they are? What are the three things? Sexual immorality. Don't eat food that sacrifice to idols. Yeah, don't drink blood. Wow, I'm impressed. Give it up for the guy here. Of all the rules in the Old Testament, those are the only three that we Christians are supposed to obey. You're not supposed to drink blood. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Very tasty. Um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Reminds me, we were in Russia a few years ago. And I'm off track again. I'm out of control tonight. But... <laughs> <laughs> we're in Russia, and my wife's name's Debbie, but it's, it's Deborah, Deborah. But all the Russians over there, they called her Deborah. <laughs> they would say, "Hello, Deborah. Would you like something to drink, Deborah?" It all sounded like vampires to me, you know. Deborah, stop it. Okay. So it's it's one of the things we're not supposed to do, right? So then it became a problem in the church. If we know you're not supposed to, and when it's not a problem today because we don't have people out there sacrificing to idols, but let's say they did. You know? Let's say there were people out there sacrificing to idols, and then the moral problem becomes you got to make sure you don't eat food off sacrificed idols, right? I would be concerned, wouldn't you? So they had this problem where they had to go out and they had to buy food in the marketplace. And not everybody you do business with is a Christian. Have you noticed that? So how do you handle it? Because we're not supposed to eat things that are sacrificed to idols. Well, here's what Paul says. Verse 25, chapter 10, verse 20. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions. In other words, just don't ask where it came from. Excuse me? This is your answer? We're not supposed to eat food sacrificed to idols. Paul said, well then just don't ask where it came from. Wow. For the Lord, earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal, an unbeliever, you go to some pagan's house. And you want to go. Just eat whatever he puts before you. Without raising questions of conscience. He serves you a burger, you don't go, uh, where'd you get this burger? What are the origins of this burger? Because we have to know the origins of this burger. Because if this burger came from devil worship, then we're not going to eat it because I can't walk in the spirit if I eat something that's offered to the devil. What does Paul say? Don't ask, just eat it. Don't ask. Now, did you see how contrary that is to the people who wander around getting into origins all the time? 
Well, Pastor, you know where that really comes from? You know, back in 1842, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was some evil, wicked person who did something, and that's where this eventually came from, and that's why we shouldn't put Christmas trees in our house. Really? Oh, you just get a swirly, for heaven's sakes. Leave me alone. Look at it, just trying to find it. I know Christians, and I know I'm supposed to shut up, but I don't want to. I know people who are struggling with areas in their lives. Struggling. Now, some of you have heard that. Again, I'm making some of you mad, but just, you know, just at least let me challenge you. Think straight. I know people who are struggling with temptation in their lives. And there's other Christians who say, well, let me come to your home. Let me see what you have in your home. Maybe we need to exercise your home. They come to their homes and they say, Ah! You have a statue of an owl. (laughs) Am I making this up? Now y'all know what I'm talking about. There's people who do this. Maybe some of you do. I don't want to know it. I'll yell at you if you do that. But Here's an owl. You know, owls are a sign of demonic activity. Really? So you're saying the reason I'm a big fat jerk to my wife is because I have an owl over there. Yes, I'm sure that's your problem. So they go through the house and they try and get rid of anything that's got any kind of connotations and stuff. Interestingly, they do this and the people still struggle with the same stupidity. You know, if at least they quit struggling, I'd be up for that. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't change anything. Come on. Where is it? Paul said, if they actually offered it to the devil, don't even ask. Eat it. Put extra ketchup on it. <laughs> it's absolutely contrary to the sense of, do you know where that came from? You know where that came from? Always looking for evil stuff behind every, you know. We don't get as much of it now. People aren't quite as crazy, but, you know, we still get a little bit of crazy, you know. Do you remember, this was a big stuff a few years ago. You remember the Teletubbies? Do you remember the evangelical Christians having a cow about Teletubbies? Because one of them is gay. (laughs) And how did you determine that? Because I don't think they have any plumbing. What is, what's the deal? He's gay. The Smurfs, remember the Smurfs? You can't let your kids watch the Smurfs because they're little demons. They're little blue demons. And the reason your kids are misbehaving is because you're letting them watch the Smurfs, son. These are semi-intelligent human beings. I say semi-intelligent because they're idiots. Listen to some preacher on the radio. That that movie E.T., it's very evil. Really? I thought he just wanted a phone home. Oh, it's a mockery of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Seriously? Well, yeah, because you remember that scene? He, they thought he was dead in the, what was that, car? Or, I don't know, whatever. All of a sudden he comes back to life and he's in this white robe. Do you remember this? See, to them, they had to go back to the origins of that. Now, clearly they were mocking Jesus because Jesus came out in a white robe. I mean, people, I mean, they're... Making themselves crazy over things that are non-issues. Star Wars. You can't look at Star Wars because that's Buddhism. Really? I just think it's a cool thing. 
People chopping each other up with swords. That's neat. It's boys, little boys love that kind of stuff. You know, but always something's evil, 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 looking for evil and trying to expose the evil in it. Well, the Bible says expose the evil works of darkness. Yes, when it talks about immorality, lying, cheating, stealing, fornicating. Yes, sign me up there. Sadly, you don't hear a lot about that. You hear about all these little nitpicking things. We tend to strain at a gnat and swallow the camel. Making issues of things that are not issues. That really should not be issues. Some of you guys, some of you guys here for the first Manly Man conference. Any of you guys out there? You remember at the end that one guy got up and he was having a cow because, brother, you need to t- teach guys not to drive over the speed limit. I said, really? Yes, it says 55. If they're going 56, they're in sin. <laughs> Honestly, yes, because the law says 55. You need to tell these men to go 55 and not 57 and not 58. Because that's a sin. So seriously, I'm just trying to get guys to quit masturbating, man. You're, <laughs> you want me to deal with 57? See, that's legalism. That's just nonsense. Found out later the guy was cursing all day long. Using God's name in vain. God, this, Jesus, that. But boy, got real crazy about things that don't matter. See, that's what the, the Pharisees did. That's what Isaiah was writing about these guys. The stuff that matters, you guys don't pay attention to. Oh, you fast, you pray, you offer sacrifice, you do all these things. Oh, it sounds very ritual, sounds very spiritual, sounds very holy, praise God. But the stuff that does matter, you ignore what matters. Unacceptable. We need to do this the right way. We need to focus on the things that matter and not get so crazy about the things that don't matter. And the things that don't matter fall in the area of disputable arguments. There are disputable arguments, things you can argue, and who knows the answer to. Everybody's got to come up with their own decision on some of these things. I get it. I'm just telling what I think. I'm sure not everybody here. You know, that's why we have wine and grape juice at communion. Why? Because some people, they think taking wine is just horrible. Okay, well, instead of fighting about a disputable argument, we give you both. Okay, you can pick one. Or the other. Okay? That's a biblical. Not everybody's going to agree on everything. We need to cut each other slack. Some people will allow one thing. Some people will allow. Some people let their kids see Harry, Harry Potter when they're 32 years old. And others won't. You know, okay. Okay. Fine. Just be consistent is all I'm saying. Make sure you're not being too overly harsh with stuff that doesn't matter. But we all have our different lines. But we've got to realize the basic principles of morality. This is what it's about. We've got to walk in love. You know, don't tell me you love Jesus and want your husband to die and go to hell. I have a problem with that. Well, I really love God. I don't think you do. Yes, I do. I don't think you do. (laughs) Again, you know, coming to church yelling and screaming at each other. 
Ah, we're going to be late. That's your fault, you big jerk. You should have called me. You were supposed to come home on time. Ah, I had stuff at work to do. I don't know what you're talking about. Walk in the church. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. How you doing? Oh, we're doing great. Praise the Lord. Yes, yes. You phony. Don't be plastic. Be real. Someone says, how you doing? Says, ah, my husband's an idiot. <laughs> Makes me mad. I need to pray. And then pray. You have to be something that you're not. I hate that stuff. Let's be honest with each other. Let's be real. Let's pay attention to the things that matter. Let's try to avoid the things that don't matter. The disputable things. Again, not everybody's going to agree with me. Everybody has different... Okay, cut each other slack on that stuff. The only thing I'm saying is your pastors, don't be too harsh about some of that stuff. You know, but let's, let's be real. You know, we can freely say that we do not celebrate Halloween in this church. We have Harvest Festival. What do you do at Harvest Festival? We dress up in costumes and have candy. Really? Yes, but we do not celebrate Halloween. No. When do you do this Harvest Festival? October 31st. Really? I mean, come on. Look, you got to pick your battles. I'm not going to pick the battle. Keep calling it whatever you want back there. But to me, it's a Halloween party, okay? <laughs> this stuff makes me crazy. Driving me crazy is a short drive. All right, you got no time to discuss anything because I went too long. I don't care. I had to get it out.